Well, ladies and gentlemen, love is dead. I hate to say it, but I bring you bad news. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with this. The, the woman in Ireland who married the ghost of a 300-year-old pirate <sighs> says that they have divorced. You know, if there's no chance for them, yeah. what chance is there for any of us? For any of us. For any of us, yes, I mean. <laughs> According to the Irish Post, Amanda Teague, 46, from Drogheda, County Louth, married the Haitian pirate named Jack earlier this year, took place in a boat in international waters off of the Irish coast, and the marriage lasted less than a year. A split, citing irreconcilable differences. Oh my god, I didn't read, a bunch of people like tagged me in that shit, and I'm just, I couldn't bring myself to read it. I also didn't realize that the woman was only 46 years old. Like, it's so funny. I feel like she might have packed it in a little early. <laughs> Hold on, and I have to quote the Irish Post here. Oh no. When they say, the split is another blow for Jack after he was purportedly executed for thieving on the high seas <laughs> in the 1700s. <laughs> Did he have a last name? Uh, no. It, apparently he was just known as Jack. Oh, so. You know you know goddamn well it was Jack Sparrow. You know. You know it was Jack Sparrow. Uh, well, and that's that's the news, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get back to the history. Oh, let's just call this. Well, <laughs> I'm done. Welcome oh. back to Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. My name is Rob North. And I am your co-host, Chris Miller. Chris, what are we talking about today? Today, we are we're changing gears a little bit. Uh, this is our shameless pandering episode. <laughs> now uh, we uh, we've covered mostly uh, mostly men in the past, mm-hmm. but today we're going to change it up and we're going to talk about some some real bad ladies. Yep, we're talking about uh, some of the Irish gang leaders from the Five Points in the early yeah. 1800s. We're talking about the female leaders of the gangs of New York, and uh, th- this 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 is going to be a fun one today because it is it is because like. Uh, outside of the book, The Gangs of New York, we kind of had to go into like weird parts of the internet mm-hmm. and sift through shit, which yeah. is always fun. And It's always a good time. It turns up a lot of weird stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is a lot of these people did the legwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you've ever seen the movie Gangs of New York by Martin Scorsese or sort of um, actually watched the BBC America series Copper, which I actually did. And it was actually pretty I good. I liked Copper. I yeah. was pleasantly surprised with Copper. Pretty good depictions of, mm-hmm. of, of New York at that time. So what, what we're going to be talking about today isn't exactly rock-solid history. It's mostly kind of, I, I would call it semi-folkloric. Yeah, it's, I think that's fair. Like, we th- we do have some facts. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is, is a stories lot of it is hearsay, hearsay and, and conjecture, and and we'll we'll get into yeah. what what is real and what is not. I, I think probably the best way to do this is to cover all these ladies individually, and then we'll kind of tie them in together. Yeah, and then we'll kind of touch on what's real, what's not real, what's confirmed and not. Because if we keep jumping back and forth, this episode will be an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. So our primary source, uh, besides all the weird corners of the internet, we ended up on is the book Gangs of New York, an informal history of the New York underworld by Herbert Asbury, uh, which is the basis for the 2002 Martin Scorsese film. Now, this book was actually written in the 1920s. So it's a, it's, it was written actually in a period where, you know, you're going to have kind of a secondary connection to a lot of these characters. Mm, a lot of these people are still alive. Yeah. In, in 1927, when this book was published, a lot of these people, or at least people who, who knew these women, were, might have been kicking around. So let's let's talk about New York in the 1800s. A little it was bit. a super cool place. It was nice. It was clean. Mm-hmm. It was safe. It was a good place yeah. to raise the family. Yeah, it was like Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Today, actually, what comes to mind is the words "utter shit pile." Oh my god, it was so bad. It, it was, was so bad. Was I didn't not, know how bad it was until I was reading Gangs of New yes. York. Yeah, it was not a nice place to be. So the city is overcrowded. You have little to no sanitation. It's dirty. It smells. There's like dead horses everywhere. This is, I mean, this isn't like the Dark Ages. Yeah. This is right before the Civil War. Like, and, and right after in a lot of cases. Yeah. This was up to the 1880s, 1890s. Right. Like, there are electric lights at this point. And there's just dead yeah. horses piled quite, up. Well, quite a lot of the streets aren't even paved. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the city's full of disease. It's a very, very stratified society as well. You have a very small small rung of, of the wealthy elite at the top and you have this huge mass of the working class down below. It's crazy how times have changed. Yeah. 
but there are no labor laws at this time. There's, you know, there's child labor. People are working long hours and terrible conditions. Wages are low. Housing is terrible. You have, you know, an entire family living in one room. You have 25, 30 people living in a single house. And this is also in the middle of a massive immigration boom. You know, you have these waves of immigrants coming to the United States from dozens of nations, primarily Ireland, Great Britain, Italy, and Germany, and it's causing rising tensions with the, and I say this in quotes, native populace. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of a name they gave themselves. Mm-hmm. Let, let's leave it Yeah, they called themselves the natives. Of course, you know, that means oh, we're the people who immigrated here 20 years ago. Yeah. Instead of they're rolling into from Ellis Island yeah, today. We, we got here first, jerks. Yeah. And, you know, you also have a a significant portion of the population that is African-American, so we're playing on a lot of racial tensions. And this is also on, in, in the generations that bookended the American Civil War. But the big, one of the biggest dangers in New York at this time was the gangs. So in the 1800s, a number of gangs in New York fought, control, uh, fought for control of areas such as the Bowery, Five Points, and Hell's Kitchen, most of which are pretty good neighborhoods now. Very rough places to be in the in the nineteenth century. Yeah, and how you talked about the the polarized sides, um, like the the it was essentially a caste system. Mm-hmm. But the wealthy would hire armed guards to walk them through the Bowery and yeah. through Five Points. They would go on like day trips just to see what it was like. They, it was like a safari for Christ's yeah. sake. And so, and it's, it wasn't uncommon for soldiers and the National Guard to have to be brought in to stop these gang fights and the fierce riots that often broke out with the gangs leading them. Mm-hmm. So you, the gangs rebel with names such as the Bowery Boys, the Plug Uglies, the Dead Rabbits, the Gophers, the Shirt Tails, the Roach Guards, and a couple of gangs I found, there were the Little Doggies and the Pansies. The Pansies are they were the one that I found I have in my notes here, just because. I was like... It, could you imagine that? Like, are they like tryouts or shit? I, like, I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were rough, was, but I can't help but imagine. Was it like whenever you're enrolling to clubs, like in the first day of college? I don't like, know, but they're like the dead rabbit signs, like really nice, and then the pansies are just like I just like imagine their sign. I just imagine the leader of the pansies looking like Mugatu <laughs> and walking around going, "Hello, welcome to the pansies." Would you say that he's a fancy lad? He is a fancy lad. <laughs> One cabin boy reference in Jackpot. Uh, and just as just as they they do in more modern times, each gang had their own colors. Um, the Roach Guards would wear blue striped pantaloons. The, pull, uh, the Plug Uglies wore large plug hats, and the Dead Rabbits wore red stripes on their trousers. Uh, they would fight each other. They would fight amongst themselves. And you know, you, you're in this period, especially following the Civil War. It was also a high point of crime and corruption in New York. Smuggling is at an all time high because New York's a booming port. Um, as was river piracy and kidnapping rackets, right. uh, robberies, murder, rape, prostitution, vandalism, shakedown rackets. All of these are booming trades. And the New York police couldn't seem to do jack shit to stop that. Young. And they were also grossly outnumbered and well, like they barely existed as equally as corrupt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they were all, all they were all corrupt. Yeah. And, and, and what didn't help matters was the corruption within the city government, um, specifically based around Tammany Hall and the famous boss Tweed, who were, is going to be the subject of a future episode or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the, the, the two major political parties at this time, um, you know, the Democrats kind of rallying under Tammany Hall and then the anti-immigrant, anti-Catholic Native Americans, which were kind of the guys of the Republicans at that time, who also called themselves the Know Nothing Party. And both of these parties would use the gangs to gain control, shut down their rivals, break up elections, and steal public funds. You know, corruption was rife. Everything had its price. Everyone's hand was out for a bit of the dull. Um, in one case, um, in New York, a contractor was received a, a, plas- a large-scale plastering job, which w- should have cost about $20,000, $2.9 million, and this is in 1872 money. Was shelled out. So this environment leaves the door open for these gang and underworld figures to come rolling into power, and some of the best, or I guess some of the worst, the way you look at I it. I guess technically it's worst. Yeah, we're women, starting with Hellcat Maggie. Oh, we're gonna lead with we're gonna lead strong. I we're, we're gonna I go, have a different order. We're gonna go chronologically. <laughs> I'd like to start with Hellcat okay, Maggie. Okay, I can say because she was kind of the first one. 
Hellcat Maggie was the pseudonym of a ferocious member of the Dead Rabbits gang who operated in the Five Points neighborhood of Manhattan in the 1840s. Now, the Dead Rabbits were a large street gang of Irish immigrants who took their name from the fact that they would go into riots or gang fights with the, the corpse of a rabbit just stuck on a pike. They would, And it wasn't like there was one guy with a rabbit. They had a bunch, bunch of, of rabbits. And, and it was also said that in their meetings, they would have just a dead rabbit on, in the, on the table. Yeah, it would just sit there. It would just sit there as a little mascot. Much how, you know, much how Jack is sleeping on the floor in front of us as our mascot. We could put him on a his, pike. Yeah, no, let's not do that. No. He's heavy. Oh, yeah, it's true. We That'd need a really carry. big pike. So these the the dead rabbits would fight nativist gangs like the Bowery Boys. They would fight the police, and at times they would even fight the New York State militia and the U.S. Army. Gang members came up with colorful names for themselves and each other, such as Ludwig the Bloodsucker, Slobbery Jim, Boiled Oysters Malloy. And eat him up, Jack McManus. I want to know how Boiled Oysters Malloy got because I do have Boiled Oysters in my show notes. And it's just Boiled it's, Oysters, question mark? Boiled <laughs> Oysters Malloy. So here's the thing about Boiled Oysters Malloy. <laughs> I really hope it's from a, an eating habit and not a that, terrible accident. Yeah. Because <laughs> that just sounds like something Boiled Oysters unfortunate. Malloy. And so they would also have, they would name their own watering holes. Places with quaint names like McGurk's Suicide Hall, mm-hmm. The Tub of Blood, and Cripple's Home. And most of the gangs would have uh, female admirers, and they even had special branches for the ladies, such as the Battle Rose Ladies Social and Athletic Club, which, by every account I've read, was neither very social nor very athletic. But I, I like that they, they gave it just a... It was just orthodox enough. Yeah. <laughs> The yeah. Social and Athletic Club. It was a female auxiliary. <laughs> yeah. And so that brings us to Maggie. Hellcat Maggie. Now, Maggie had apparently led a life of crime from an early age. She had been recruited into one of the biggest street gangs of the time, the Y.O.'s, uh, by a thief named Gentleman Jasper, who came across her in an alleyway knocking the lumps out of two older boys. <laughs> she joined Jasper's thievery ring and was a quick and willing learner, becoming adept at both robbing banks... <laughs> Mugging and fighting anyone who looked at her the wrong way, and a lot of people who just didn't. Yeah, just it, just at random, she would attack people. And Maggie would prepare for battle by filing her front teeth to points, doing that to yourself, and not just which the two front teeth. All of them. All of any tooth you could see, she would file into a point to a sharp point. And she also would wear sharp artificial claws. Yeah, she had made brass. out of brass. If you've ever, they they actually have the character of Hellcat Maggie in the movie Gangs of New York. Yeah. Now, she's like an amalgamation yes. of, of a couple of the women we're going to talk about, but she's in it, and you see her like leaping onto people and biting them. Yeah, tearing throats open. Yeah, which is what she did. Yeah, so the sight of Hellcat Maggie clawing, biting, and screaming because she would just shriek through a fight. Yeah, Maggie was kind of like a feral person. Yes. Like, that. that's really the only way to put it. Like, it's not quite enough to say, like, oh, yeah, she was crazy. That's not quite enough. Like, insanity isn't quite enough here. Uh, think an MMA fighter meets Nell. Yeah. The feral child movie with the feral like if, child. If in a jungle book, instead of, like, making friends, Mowgli just, like, cooked meth. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, 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 like, Mo- if Mowgli did bath salts every day... <laughs> You get Hellcat Maggie. <laughs> All those weird European designer drugs that make their way into Florida. And apparently every other gang, gang member around was absolutely fucking terrified of Maggie. And like these are dudes that would fight the army. Yeah. And these were dudes who weren't, didn't really have much of a sense of fear. And, and they were terrified of this, this tiny girl. little Irish woman. And this girl, and yeah, and she was small too. But yeah, she he said was, at best yeah. she was five feet tall. Yeah. But she was the Tasmanian devil. Which probably has much to do with her diet of just, like, raw ears and scotch. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and and the gang fights at this time, these aren't just fist fights. These are fights to the death. Oh, yeah. They're not they're not beating each other yeah. up. This is like almost like watching in, in Braveheart whenever you see these two armies running at each other with swords and axes. It was like that, but it was in New York. Yeah. Thing, and it wasn't that, that long ago. Five points. Yeah. And, you know, this is not a, a nice way to pass a, a boring afternoon. Mm. You know, anybody that fell was set upon and normally beaten or hacked to death. Now, Maggie herself was known on occasion 
to tear the ears off of her victims, pickle them in alcohol, and keep them behind the uh, the bar where she frequented. Now, this is also a little trope that you actually see cross over into some of the other women. That yeah, this comes up. up a couple times. Now, but this wasn't just about fun. Politics was involved, too. Maggie was actually the leader of the Dead Rabbit's shoulder hitters. Somebody who would be employed by one political party or another to use the threat of violence or, indeed, actual violence. Uh, Maggie's preferred option, I think it has to be said. Yeah, I think it's To persuade voters to vote for a particular candidate. And this was right at... And she was active right at the time when Tammany Hall was kind of coming into being. Where the Democrat, where the Democrats were having a resurgence in New York... And so she apparently literally ripped the faces of some Republicans to shreds on Election Day. <laughs> yeah. Now, Maggie's final fate is unknown, <laughs> but Herbert Asbury posited that she actually died in the mid to late 1840s at a pretty young age. And even if this isn't true, I doubt that she settled down to a life of domestic bliss. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Who, who do you want to talk about next, Chris? Um, let's do Battle Annie next. Let's do let's do Battle Annie because I I think uh, the two after that are going to kind of play into each other pretty yeah. well. Let's do Battle Annie. I like Battle Annie. Battle Chris, Annie Chris actually sent me a text a couple days ago going, "I think I'm falling in love with Battle Annie." Yeah, and she was the sweetheart of the Gopher Gang, and now she's the sweetheart of the Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades podcast. Yeah, she really is. And, and <laughs> I don't know about you, dude, but I was I'm reading these stories. Is, is it wrong that I was getting a little aroused? I like a fighty woman. Me too. I like a fighty woman. Me too. My, my, my gal's a hockey player. And I she's, got a type. She's ferocious. And, <laughs> and this, yeah, this plays right into my wheelhouse. So, Battle Annie Walsh was one of the leaders of Hell's Kitchen's gopher gang. The gophers were one of the successor gangs to the Dead Rabbits, and she was known as the Queen of Hell's Kitchen. Uh, and the height of her operations were during the 1880s and 1890s, so she's probably the last active person we're going to talk about. Mm. Uh, though the leader of the gang was a fellow by the name of Goo Goo Knox. <laughs> that, was, that was so good. So that they hey, Goo Goo! They didn't dull the, the nicknames <laughs> with time. Not. If anything, they how got do you better. End up, how do you end up with the nickname Goo Goo? I'm still stuck on boiled oysters. <laughs> I, don't, I, I just don't know. That's, Maybe they played into each other. Maybe Cuckoo was the descendant of... We're going to... This is going down a weird path. Oh, so, yeah. So the fierce... <laughs> I, uh, so... Cuckoo Knox is the leader of the gang, but the fierce Irish redhead Annie was the de facto commander, known for being one of their fiercest combatants, especially for her signature move for both property destruction and bashing heads, the throwing of bricks. Yeah, they said she, that she was, was the best damn brick thrower the Gophers ever knew. Yeah, she was the. They said she was the best brick hurler in New York. Apparently, she was absolutely legendary at it. She could knock a running man in the forehead at fifty paces, which is it's just tough to do. And so she was the founder of the Lady Gophers. The you know, like we got a field which, right there. I have a pile of bricks out back, which I, and I bet we couldn't do it. No, I want to see how far we can throw a brick now. So. So the Lady Gophers, despite sounding like the like a, a college sports team, was actually the gang's female auxiliary, headquartered at the Battle Rose Saloon, and Annie was able to assemble a force of, of up to three hundred women and girls who would arm themselves with poles, clubs, and knives, and take to the streets to join the menfolk as reserves for the clashes with rival gangs and the police. They were also hired, the women's auxiliary were hired out by Tammany Hall during several labor disputes and strikes in the 1880s and, and 1890s. And mind you, like, they... As strike breakers. And they also were hired out on the part of the strike breakers. Mm-hmm. They, 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 would, they would fight the strike breakers or they would fight the scabs. Oh, yeah. Like, it was whoever paid them, they'd go out there and Annie would hit every single one of them in the face with brick. <laughs> What's that girl doing here? Smack. Yeah. Is that a Brit? And then you just die. Then your head just gets caved in. Now, I found I, deep into the internet, I found a mention that supposedly Tammany Hall supporting Carnegie Steel and the Pinkertons during the Homestead strike here in Pittsburgh. In that would have been in Annie's wheelhouse. Actually considered sending a train with a couple hundred of Battle Annie's girls down to help end the strike. Down to help break the strike. And, of course, the strike ended up with a lot of bloodshed. It was really, really unpleasant. That's that's one of Pittsburgh's really dark moments. Yeah, and and not a lot of people like that, to talk about it. 
and a lot of people don't know don't even that know. it ever happened, which they is don't why we're here. They, they don't even know about that. They don't know about the railroad strike in 1877. Mm-hmm. But they, know, maybe we'll have to educate strikes, them something. Uh, strikes didn't always end with a bunch of people sitting down and signing a contract like you see on the news now. Yeah. They usually ended with a private army murdering a bunch of people. In the case of the railroad strike in 1877, Gatling guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, now, I couldn't find any additional evidence to back this up, but I like that idea. Yeah, I mean, it's the timeline matches up. It's the same kind of people. So yeah. it, it makes sense that it would happen. New York's not far from Pittsburgh in the grand scheme of things. Nope, you can get here in a few hours on a train. Mm-hmm. And so we, re- none, we don't really know what happened to Battle Annie later in her life. We know she didn't go to prison. There's nothing about her in the prison records in New mm-hmm. York. So we can assume she... There are actual records of her, though. Like, yeah. we do have some paperwork on her, which oh, we no. can't Annie say... Walsh, there are photographs of Annie Walsh. She was yeah. a real person. Yes. Which which we don't always see in this in this kind of era. Yeah. Yeah, she was... Uh, Annie Walsh was apparently a real person. But, mm-hmm. man, what... And the one thing I was not able to do, yeah. and, I, and I did this uh, with probably the next uh, lady we're going to talk about, I tried to find the bar. And I, I couldn't find any record of the bar existing. Um, which one was that? I have the, the hole in the wall. She was... What was her headquarters? The hole in the wall? No, that was Mag. Mag was the hole in the wall. There was one that Battle Annie, Battle Annie was... Um, they talked about a bar that she was... Oh, the Battle Rose Saloon. Battle Rose Saloon. And, um, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find that one. The hole in the wall, which we're going to talk about next... A little bit different. There's a different story. That's kind of still there. Yup. <laughs> so yeah, that's the story of Battle Annie. I, and, I like Battle and I'm Annie. I'm madly in love with her. I like Battle Annie. I'm madly something, in love with something her. Something about a woman at the head of an army. Oh, <laughs> oh especially when it's just just hucking bricks at people. <laughs> just could you imagine, like looking at a dude running, <clears throat> in most cases running away. And just a, a woman pick up a brick off the ground, or one that she brought, because she yeah. would bring a bunch. Oh, she would bring a satchel of bricks. Like like an archer would bring arrows, she would carry a sack full of bricks. <laughs> and just, like, like, with Johnny Unitas-like form. Oh, beautiful. Like, I want to know, like, how do you properly hurl a brick? We're going to look into this. We're, th- we're going to throw bricks yeah. somewhere. I, we probably shouldn't in the field because that's also an elementary school, so we yeah. can't do it there. But we'll find somewhere <laughs> to huck some bricks. This, is, this sounds like such a bad idea. It, it, we'll do it at night. It's fine. It's less suspicious. <laughs> less? <laughs> All right. Now, so I want to know the right form for hucking a brick. We'll figure it out. I'm Googling this. The we'll internet's a out. weird place. You can find out anything. <laughs> and so. that's how Chris didn't get to fly <laughs> anymore. <laughs> So, who's next? Uh, let's do Gallus Mag. Let's do Gallus Mag. Let's do Gallus Mag. I love Gallus Mag. I like Gallus Mag mainly because she is just a hulking brute of a human being. Not just a, because she's a woman. Like, oh, that's a really big lady. Gallus Mag apparently Julia was, Child with Roy Bridge. Yeah, apparently <laughs> she was like 6'3". Yeah, over 6 feet tall. Wait, so was Julia Child. Right. <laughs> It's going to be scrumptious. Rub the chicken liberally with old spice. <laughs> so let's get into Gallus Man before we go too far. Can we talk Julia real quick Child about Julia Child? I got to throw it. I got right. to give it up to my girl Julia because, like, the most important thing I ever learned about cooking, and I, I do a lot of my own cooking, is, is to be time. wasted while you do it. That, it's just. Drink all the wine, yeah. and everything just gets absolutely slathered in butter. And I respect that lady so much for that. Yeah. Like that's just absolutely brilliant. Okay, that's enough of that aside. But like <laughs> butter and, and like booze, like it's awesome. So Gallus Mag, Gallus Mag was a famed bouncer and street tough in the 1870s, known for being an absolute nightmare to deal with. Mm-hmm. If you were an unruly patron, someone who disagreed with her, or maybe somebody who was just in the wrong yeah, place or at just the wrong someone. time. Because she was known to just run out into the street and fight people. Mm. Yeah, so, if she had a, a downtime between being the bouncer and bar back and the yeah. hole in the wall, she would just just fuck you up. Yeah. So for, Gallus, for no reason. Yeah. So Gallus Mag Perry was the wife of Jack Perry, co-owner of uh, of a of a bar which was also a fence for river pirates. Also co-owned the place with a guy named One Armed Charlie Monel. Uh, I do have an hey, idea. Charlie, why how'd you get your one. nickname? 
I do have an idea how he got that one. Yeah. He lost it in a in a dice match with boiled oysters Malloy. Boiled oysters Malloy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, can't, we can't, we can't just, stop laughing at these nicknames. But I didn't even have boiled oysters Malloy in my notes. It's just boiled oysters? Yeah. <laughs> I at least found the last name. <laughs> well, I did, but it was just like just question mark. <laughs> so, yeah, so they were the co-owners of a rough and rowdy bar on Water Street in what's now the financial district called The Hole in the Wall. That was said to be, quote, a brothel full of river pirates and Walter Street hags. And the Brooklyn Eagle newspaper described it in 1874 thus. It was there that thieves and junk men would meet to put up jobs. It was there that men were drugged and robbed and women beaten. It was there that young thieves became graduates in crime. A point of interest, you can still find a bar at 279 Water Street. The Bridge Cafe. Called the Bridge Cafe, said to be New York's last remaining pirate bar. Yeah, that's pretty rad. It's still there. Yeah. So where the name Gallus comes from, and the primary theory is that instead of wearing a dress, as was the normal convention for women's style Even at the Hellcat time... Hellcat Maggie did. She would wear... She would wear suspenders with trousers, and suspenders were also called galluses at that time. Mm-hmm. There's also two other theories. Gallus is a lowland Scots word that means cheeky, brash, or ballsy. Or another theory is that it's just a a mispronunciation of Gaelic, uh, referring to her Scots-Irish roots. So it's said that Mag was well over six feet tall. And this is in a time when your average height for a woman was about five foot one. Mm -hmm. Maybe five foot two. The average man was about five foot six, five foot seven. So she, it's like Godzilla walking through Tokyo. So it's it's like like going from every family reunion I had, like yeah. growing up with all my little Italian aunts, to like the end. Brienne of Tarth. Like, <laughs> like, to Brienne of Tarth. <laughs> and and it's it said that she could lift a full barrel of beer by herself, and not one of these pansy half kegs. We no, it's an nowadays. actual barrel. An actual barrel, three hundred pounds of beer. She was also known to wheel a club made of ashwood, which she wasn't afraid to use, and was said to be able to drink any customer, male or female, under the table and still do her job. But her job was basically just to beat you up. Yeah. Well, to quote Herbert Asbury in The Gangs of New York, quote, It was her custom, after she felled an obstreperous customer with her club, to clutch his ear between her teeth and so drag him to the door amid the frenzied cheers of the onlookers. If her victim protested, she bit his ear off, and having cast the fellow into the street, she carefully deposited the detached member in a jar of alcohol behind the bar. She was one of the most feared denizens on the waterfront, and the police of the period shudderingly described her as the most savage female they'd ever encountered. End quote. So we're back to that ears in the, in the jar of booze it's behind the bar. It's a common trope. It is a common trope. See, I, I would be one of those dudes in the bar. I'd be like freaking out, like super happy if I saw her like dragging Just a dude out by watch his her ear. drag a dude out and then if I field knew him. for a fact that I would not be one of those ear guys. That's yeah. like that's the thing. I like it would just be me get dra- almost immediately, almost immediately. Yeah. No, you're okay. So you're a little Irish guy on Water Street. This six foot three woman cracks you in the head with a club, tells you to get out, and you put up a fight. You deserve to get the Holyfield treatment. That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Mag was also said to keep a pistol in her belt and a knife in her boot. Was also said to cut off the fingers of anyone who took a swing at her and would inevitably lose the fight. Because <laughs> Callus Mag never lost a fight. And we're going to be talking about Sadie the Goat here in a minute. Gallus Mag was said to be the only person who ever beat Sadie the Goat in a fight. And in the process of a brawl between the two of them, took off one of Sadie's ears, as she had done to many other customers. As was her want. As was her want. And later on, there was a reconciliation, apparently, and she gave... Gave her the ear gave back. Gave Sadie the ear, just plucked it out of the jar and gave it back but to she, Sadie. She was so proud that the story goes that she kept it in its own Ooh, jar, jar with her name on it. Yeah. And to bury the hatchet, she gave her her ear back. <laughs> and, and what did Sadie do with it? She wore it. <laughs> she wore it around her neck. She kept it in a locket around her neck. And this is also kind of fun. Apparently, Gallus Mag was a very outspoken suffragette. Yeah, yeah. big time. She led big suffragette time. marches in, in the late 19th century through New York, which most of the time would land you in jail. Mm-hmm. 
would absolutely land you in jail. And she did spend several short stays in prison for taking part in these protests and marches. And there, there, uh, even like little blurbs and newspaper articles that give her her, her given name, not Gallus Mag, mm-hmm. Mag Baring, yeah, yeah. But she actually did this. I mean, she. This isn't like uh, part of our folklore part. This was. She actually went and led these marches, organized marches and things like that. She I love it. Yeah. I love it. What a badass. Yeah. She's so much fun to talk about. Now, how exactly she spent her twilight years and met her end, sadly, is not a matter of record. So we really don't know what became of Gallus Mag. No. God, uh, there I was did. one I read that um, her name appears in Charleston. South, Car- South Carolina. Correct. Yeah. Her name appears. Her name appears in Charleston. Uh, Mag Perry does, but not mm. not Gallus Mag. But um, her name pops up there, uh, working in bars, mm. uh, and it would have been about ten years before the estimated time of her death. Yeah. So she maybe maybe decided her work being done in New York, women and securing the right to vote. She was a snowbird and went south for the winter. Hey, that sounds like fun. <laughs> Just the. Her walking into a Charleston bar for the first time, you hear the piano going, and then skirt. What you been eating a bouncer now? This giant woman. Oh, I this love this it. giant armed woman. So I think that brings us to the final figure we're going to talk about today. We do um, before we get into into uh, Sadie the goat. I did find one. Did you did you hear about Ida the Goose? Ida the Goose. I did see about did, Ida the Goose. Did you see about I Ida the Goose? Um, tell us tell us a little bit about Ida the Goose. Ida the Goose, and I'm not 100% sure if she was a real person, um, because the, the stories were fairly uh, fairly brief, but Ida the Goose was allegedly very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shanghai, uh, she was a gopher, and the gopher gang, which we've talked about a couple times, um, the gophers were basically the remnants of the dead rabbits and uh, and Monk's gang. Mm-hmm. And Monk was, if you saw Gangs of New York, uh, the one that ran for mayor. Played by Brendan Gleeson. Yes. Excellent. Excellent role. Um, the gophers got their name because they hid in basements. Like their hideouts yeah. were, were in basements and they could kind of, they had all these little tunnels and shit and they could kind of sneak around. So they were the gophers. Um, Eye of the Goose was a gopher. Uh, and she was shanghaied by a bar owner named Chick Tricker, which is, is I'm told, his Christian name. Bar. Chick Tricker. Bar owner and 1960s country musician, Chick right. Tricker. <laughs> uh, she was shanghaied by him. The gophers demanded payback. So the four gunmen enter his bar. And he's working behind the bar, and everybody's just kind of looking around like, Uh-oh. I love this story so fucking much. Uh-oh. And they're like, well, now's as good a time as any, and just shoot everyone. Yeah. So they're just shooting everyone. Uh, Chick Tricker is taking refuge behind the bar with Ida the Goose, and seeing him hiding from the four gunmen is enraged. <laughs> She's so mad that in this cowardly act, he would hide from four gunmen. Not like four... like. Dudes not four punching. street toughs, yeah. four dudes with not, revolvers four blowing rounds around the bar. Punching everyone, four armed men. So she yells, come out and take it, and throws him over the bar into the middle of the, the dining room bar, whatever, uh, where he is summarily executed. <laughs> uh, and one was uh, one of her, her ex-lovers, yeah. which apparently in the gopher gang were many. Yep. There were many. <laughs> That's Eye to the Goose. Eye to the Goose. So a little a little sidebar, uh, whether or not she's a real person, we don't really know. Actually, before we get to Sadie the Goat, I have a few other honorable mentions. Okay, I do like the honorable So mentions. while we're on the subject of, of, of people like Eye to the Goose, let's start with Hester Jane Haskins, a.k.a. Jane the Grabber. Jane the Grabber. Jane the Grabber was a madam, thief, smuggler, and human trafficker in New York in the 1860s and 70s. She was famed for running several brothels. But far more famous was far more famous for being the chief supplier of prostitutes th- to brothels throughout the city mm-hmm. through a system of abduction and slavery. She was not a, not a nice lady. No, she employed a small group of a dozen or so quote respectable looking men and women who would travel New England and the mid uh, mid Atlantic region, luring women to New York with the promise of exciting jobs or fame as singers and entertainers. Once there, these poor girls are abducted. I'm guessing by some far less respectable looking people. 
and forced to work in either one of Jane's establishments or one of her clients. Now, she aimed a little too high. And when the daughters of several prominent New England families went missing, including the daughter of the Lieutenant Governor of Massachusetts, the heat was turned up. In 1875, Haskins was implicated in what became known as the Grabber Scandal. She was arrested and she spent the rest of her life in Sing Sing. 1875. Yeah. So we also have Red Light Lizzie, real name unknown. I'm guessing Elizabeth something. Elizabeth something. Call that a, sorry, huge, huge leap of intellect there on my part. Even though, like, Red Light Lizzie just kind of works. So maybe it was something else. Maybe it was Jane. We don't know. Uh, Now, she was Jane the Grabber's main rival in the procuring business and operated in a similar manner, although her operating area focused on upstate and central New York. So she refer- she preferred to commit her abductions through the use of drugged spirits, much in the same process as Shanghaiing, but instead of ending up on a ship in the Pacific, you end up in a brothel in, in Five Points. Red Light Lizzie was also said to have owned as many as 20 brothels and was so successful a procurer that she sent a monthly circular letter to all of her clients. Now, unlike her rival, Jane the Grabber, Red Light Lizzie was never caught and never served a day for her crimes. Mm-hmm. And our final honorable mention, we finally have Frederica Mandelbaum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also known as Marm, who was a German-Jewish immigrant who spoke, who spent pretty much the entire post-Civil War era as the biggest criminal fence in New York. And worked with all of the New York street gangs, all the smugglers, and became one of the biggest patrons of the criminal elements in the city. She, she bankrolled... She was like all the pawn yeah. stars stuck together. She bankrolled thousands of robberies, heists, kidnappings, and all sorts of criminal operations. She controlled several gangs of blackmailers and confidence men and ran a school for pickpockets. <laughs> at, at the same time, she would host these lavish dinner parties for New York's high society. So she was somebody who treaded between these two worlds. Now, in 1894, or in 1884, excuse me, the Pinkerton Detective Agency actually infiltrated her organization, and she was arrested soon after. But she fled. She she broke out of jail, collected a million dollars, and fled to Canada and settled in Hamilton, Ontario, until her death in 1894. I wasn't ever able to find anything, like, super uh, legitimate uh, regarding uh, source work for this one, but I did find in one of the... And it was like a WordPress blog. Mm-hmm. But a dude had a picture of, like, her arrest record. Yeah. Like... like it's oh. insane. Like, she actually broke out of prison. Yeah. And then just hoofed it north. Yeah. And and there was a big manhunt for her, apparently. But, a, but by the time they found out where she was, she was in Canada. Yep. So, well, well done, Frederica Mandelbaum. With their strict non-extradition treaties. And so, with those honorable mentions out of the way, I think that brings us to our final figure. Sadie the Goat. Sadie the Goat. Sadie the Goat. Uh, also known as Sadie Farrell was a fearsome Irish lass who went down in history as a gang leader, a river pirate, and an all-around criminal whirlwind in New York's bloody Fourth War. Yeah, she kind of went through different phases of crime. Yeah. T- tiny in height, but stout and vicious. She was like the David Bowie of crime. Oh, was that that she was constantly reinventing herself yeah. and pushing the envelope. Well, somebody... A real trendsetter she was. <laughs> being, being able to, yes, in... Well, we're going to start with her Ziggy Stardust phase, and then we're going to get into her Thin White Duke phase. I like it. So she was apparently very small in stature, some say as short as four foot six, but she was stout, she was strong, and she was vicious, and got her nickname, The Goat, from her favorite move made when committing a mugging. <laughs> Upon encountering a lone pedestrian on the streets at night, she would charge at them and headbutt them directly in the stomach, knocking them onto their back, knocking the wind out of them, and an accomplice would walk up and hit the dude in the head. And then they would rifle through their pockets and just take everything. There are different different stories as to how the accomplice would do this, and there was either with a club or from a short distance when with she a slingshot with a slingshot. <laughs> now, was it like the Bart Simpson slingshot, or was it like the David Goliath? Slingshot? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's either. one of the whirly slings. I think that would be more effective. One would think because you can also use that as a bit of a club. So. Yeah, and, and like I don't know. You know, and this is gonna sound weird, but I have a friend who's like really into like competition slingshot shit. So like, we'll find out whatever that would have been. We're gonna get to the bottom of this. We're mm-hmm. gonna figure out which kind of slingshot Sadie the Goat's accomplice used. <laughs> well, you were all out celebrating the holidays. This is what we are doing with our time <laughs> right? to help you out. So <laughs> she apparently had a long-running feud with Gallus Mag, and, and and as we said before, lost an ear in a fight with her. 
Now, forced from the area in disgrace, she traveled over to the West Side dockyards, where Sadie witnessed the members of the Charlton Street gang attempting to hijack a small sloop moored at the riverside. Now, I want to talk about the Charlton Street gang for a moment. Because they became probably the most famous group of New York's river pirates in the period after the Civil War, robbing small cargo vessels in the East River and the Hudson. They had ongoing rivalries with other gangs like the Hook Gang, the Daybreak Boys, and, I love this, the Patsy Conroys. <laughs> who I believe, I believe Patsy Conroy did some duets with Chick Tricker in the Chick 60s. Chick Tricker and Patsy Conroy. So, and these groups helped make river piracy one of the most prevalent crimes in New York during the second half of the 19th century. So back to the story. Upon witnessing the crew of the small sloop drive off the gang several times, Sadie offered her services to the Charlton Street gang and jumped aboard the sloop and threw several members of the crew overboard. She was just making dudes walk the plank. Well, we're getting to that. <laughs> so like Throwing f- dudes over yeah. a boat's super fun. Like, she didn't get anything <laughs> out of this. She just liked doing, doing it. it. And continued to do it. This was a hobby. Yeah. So, within a few days, they'd engineered the capture of an even larger vessel, cementing Sadie's new position as the leader of the gang. So, she meets these guys, and within about a week, she's their leader. (laughs) So, they outfit the vessel, and and I quote, with a Jolly Roger flying from the masthead, (laughs) Sadie and her boys set sail up the Hudson and Harlem rivers into into the interior of New York State, and they start raiding and rotting small villages, farmhouses, and riverside mansions. Like old school pirate raids. Mm-hmm. This is why I love this girl because she 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 went full pirate. Oh yeah, she went full pirate. And they, and from time to time they would kidnap when men, women, and children for ransom. Her gang was said to have even made several captives walk the plank, just splunk, just right into the Hudson River. I like this. No, they're camp- simply because she enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I think this was fun for her. So their campaign continued for several months. They would stash their loot in several hiding spots, sell it off through various pawn shops and fences. But by the end of the summer, and I think this is 1872, by the end of the summer and after the murder of several homeowners by the gang, many of the local communities had begun to resist the raids and had set up these vigilante quick reaction forces. And in a series of gun battles, several members of the gang were killed. So they return down to the fourth ward. They burn the sloop, and Sadie the Goat again takes up their, her old activities of mugging, smash and grab, rob- robberies, and protection rackets, and soon earned herself the nickname the Queen of the Waterfront. So she goes on to disband the Charlton Street gang, and with the money she had made pirating and raiding, she apparently opened up her own gin mill and spent the rest of her life serving as a fence and a hideaway for other gangs still operating in the area. Sadie the Goat's final fate is unknown. The thing that really got me about Sadie the Goat, and I came across a little blurb and and, uh, it was a a website that was like kind of dedicated to her, is that there is no record of her ever existing. And I was trying to look through, the boat doesn't exist, there's no, and not having a birth certificate is not weird. Especially not in the 19th century. Yeah. There's no official record, and the fact that she might be a fabrication sucks. Yeah, I want her. To, oh, I, want, I want Sadie the Goat to be so real, right? And we're not saying she wasn't, but it, and the only person who like, realistically yeah. could, because the person that we know was a factual person, like was Gallus Mag. Gallus Mag paid taxes. Like Gallus yeah. Mag was a real ass person. Yeah. Mag Perry and Battle Annie, they were both. Like, they and, were both definitely. And Mag real. would have been able to confirm it. Mm-hmm. But this is before uh, you know anybody really would have given a shit about somebody as batshit crazy. Yeah. As, and man, I just really hope that she's real. Oh, I love it. It's so good, I love especially. It so much. Not especially, if for no other reason that she would just straight headbutt you, and then Bart Simpson would light you up, <laughs> and then they would mug your ass. <laughs> I, can you imagine? It would wake up with no shoes. Like, what the fuck? Can you imagine just being a pedestrian in New York and you just see this fella just kind of, this, you know, this dandy looking fella just kind of running away, looking behind him in a panic. And then you just see tearing after him this tiny little woman, head just leveled down. Just in a 90 just degree charging. angle. It's just L shaped. Just truck stick. Charging. 
Let's even put yourself in that dude's shoulder, like in, in his shoes. You turn the corner, and all you see is this tiny blur. Yeah. Just, just coming right, right, right in the solar plexus. You're on your ass. You come to, you sit up, and bam! Rock right in the temple. <laughs> and then you wake up. Wallet's gone. Probably your pocket watch and monocle. Yeah. Your your big Monopoly guy top hat with cane with your sack with a dollar sign on it. It's all yeah. gone. Your gingham handkerchief. <laughs> it's, yeah, people say, oh, what an inventive move there by Zinedine Zidane with the headbutt <laughs> to take down that. That's fake news, pal. Yeah, I say bullshit. That's I fake say bullshit. News. I say do something original, man. Sadie the Goat had that down 130 years ago. <laughs> God, I hope she's real. <sighs> Well, I'm going to miss these gals. Yeah, it's been I a lot of too. fun. It's been a lot of fun. Me too. I like talking about some of these boss ladies, man. Yeah. Right? This was a fun episode. Talking yeah, about shout out cheers. to you ladies. Yeah, let's, let's raise our beers to those fearsome Irish gals of New York. Slancha. Slancha. Uh, what are we drinking this week, Rob? Mm. We are drinking Fatheads Holly Jolly Christmas Ale. We're in the holiday spirit. We are. A warmly spiced holiday ale. Merry Christmas, Fatheads, and send us beer. Yes, yes, please. And in the case of me, also drinking a very, very large Dunkin' Donuts coffee. That is the biggest coffee ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's finals week for me. I haven't slept in a week. Oh, that's right. It is finals week. So, yeah. But for me, I've just been working 50 hours. 50 hours a day. Out of the 24, not just like 50 hours a week. But we didn't want to keep you waiting for, for hot new material for No, us, we're so. here for you. Yeah. We're here for you. I'll, I'll, I'll put off sleep for all of you. I love you all. <laughs> Come here and give me a kiss, you sweet fuckers. <laughs> it is 3.30 in the morning when we're right... No, it's not. It's like... <laughs> it's, it's about it's, 7 o'clock. Say it's actually fairly reasonable time. But so, it's a Monday, damn it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the story of these, of these fearsome Irish gals. I, I like it. You know, I always I always talk about my love for the Scots as a people. The Irish are definitely a close second. They they really, really are. As an Italian, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> as an Italian with the last name Miller. Well, that's part of the German, so I'm definitely yeah. not allowed to say it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be it for this week, guys. We will see you next time. And next time, we are bringing you... The oh, Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades Christmas special. Get ready. We're coming right right up the old chimney with this one. Yeah. San- Santa's going rogue, y'all. Yeah. It's going to get weird. We're talking about weird Christmas shit. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the dark side of Christmas. So that's that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard about some of these figures we're going to talk about. But we're also going to bring up some that I don't think anyone's heard of. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good time. So, as always, please go out there. Uh, subscribe, download, rate, review on rate, review. all of the major definitely platforms. Definitely rate, definitely review. Yeah, that, that iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Stitcher. I, I went on to our Stitcher, SoundCloud, and uh, I, I'll admit I listen to uh, probably between twenty and thirty hours of podcast content a week. Like I listen mm-hmm. quite a bit. I Me really too. don't. I really don't use my radio in my car yeah. anymore. It's what I listen to in the car. It's what I listen to when I'm studying. It's what I listen to when I'm when I'm when I'm writing episodes for this podcast right but uh like i'm an itunes and google play guy uh, i went onto our stitcher and uh, we still have zero plays yeah. <laughs> that includes us it's also I don't know it. people but like it now so i can understand with so many other options out there <laughs> so yeah so you can find us on all of those platforms you can also search for us on youtube and find our youtube page Chris, where can they find us on social media? Oh man, you got to follow us on social media. That's going to keep up with the comings and goings of the podcast TRR lifestyle. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at podcast <laughs> the lifestyle. TRR. Hey, we play a fast lose. We're influencers now, bro. We're gonna we're trending. You kidding me? Lifestyle. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at podcast TRR uh, on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us just at Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. Uh, if you want to see us on Instagram, uh, you can get us at TRR Pod. Uh, please, by all means, drop us a line, trrpod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you guys. Yep, we want feedback. We want episode ideas. We want everything. And like Rob said, please rate and review. It helps us out immensely. Uh, and if your review is funny enough, we're definitely going to focus. Uh, we're we're going to share that on some social media. Yeah. We're going to get you a little love, too. And, of course, and of course, coming up here in the new year, we're going to have a couple pretty exciting announcements. So yeah, we've got a couple a, big ones working. We've got some cool stuff coming up. That, 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 should be, that should be a lot of fun. We're going to make you wait, though. Be patient out there. Mm-hmm. I know you can do it. 
hey, Christmas is right around the corner, yeah. so no peeking. No peeking. So you can find uh, you can find me, Rob, on Twitter at MeatNeck2, and you can find me on Instagram at MeatNeck. And my Instagram's set to private so that you can't see my pictures. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, it's at Nightlife Commando. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks, as always, to our friends, the Bloody Seamen. You know what? I'm not thanking the Bloody Seamen this time because we went to Krampusnacht. And they played a Krampusnacht. Well, I'm sorry. They didn't play. Slayer played. Slayer. Slayer, played. which clearly aren't the same same dudes in different costumes. And I'm not going to thank them because there was a bar crawl. And I was really hungover the next day. Yeah. So I'm not thanking them. I'm not going to thank them for letting us use the song Lop It Off from their album Sail Hayton. And I'm definitely not going to thank them for letting us use the song Red Sky from their album Ahoy Motherfuckers for our outro. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding, so no, Joel, Mark, I love you guys. No, th- no thanks to you guys, but well, yeah, thanks for the hangovers. Yeah, thanks for the hangovers. Yeah. Love you guys, can't Last wait Thursday to do it again. was rough! Yeah. Hope everybody had a good Krampus knock. And uh, if you don't know what Krampus knocked is, find out. It's a good time. Krampus knocked. It's very fun. It's a good time. It's a lot more fun than, than having to deal with screaming children in ugly sweaters on Christmas Day. There were screaming children, but they were screaming in sheer fright. Yes. <laughs> Cool. That's it. Uh, I'm Rob. And I'm Chris. And until next time. Yeah, hope have have fun with Christmas shopping. Don't spend don't spend too much money. Spend happy, all the money, you cowards. Happy Yule for all you pagans out there and hold fast. Down the cursed deep.